You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. Open it, Lord, that you would make us not just hearers, but also doers of your word. Next, in your son's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Bethel. Can you all hear me okay? You with me? Good, good. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted and honored to be able to uh, stand in the pulpit this morning and deliver God's word again. Uh, my name's Will, and I'll just say briefly before I uh, jump into this passage, Psalm 37, you can go ahead and start turning there is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, so we've just been really blessed being a part of this family, and I just want to specifically honor and thank uh, Clint and Melissa from the moment we stepped in here, and we were trying to find our way around. They've, they've welcomed us in. Um, you know, it was so cool to hear my son talking about the sweetness of God's word after last Sunday's sermon and how uh, Clint's sermon had impacted him. Um, and so I'm really thankful for the preaching that we get to hear every week. But beyond that, I'm just so thankful for how Clint has just pastored our family. And I know there's other people who can say that as well. Um, so, so thank you all so much for that. Uh, let's read Psalm 37. I, I can also, if this is an issue... Someone, a preacher once said, I have what um, adults used to call an outside voice. Uh, so I can, I can use that if I need to, or, or uh, we can roll with this. So Psalm 37, are you all ready to jump in? All right, Psalm 37, let's begin with verse one. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still and wait for the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves because of the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devi devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Let's pray together one more time, and then we're going to jump into this passage. Father, I just want to um, pray for a couple things. One, I just want to begin by praying for your help and just the uh, power of your spirit to deliver your word into the specific places of people's lives this morning that are in this room. And I just want to pray specifically for maybe a certain kind of person that's in here this morning. You know, there are so many Psalms where David or someone will say, how long, O Lord? How much longer, O Lord? They're in a season of waiting. They need you. They need to see your hand move on their behalf. And if they're in that place this morning, I just pray especially that you would minister your word um, in, in your love for, for your saints. We pray together in Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. So uh, the theme of Psalm 37 is a theme of waiting. And of course, the irony of me preaching this passage uh, before you this morning is that I don't even mean to brag, but I can confidently say I am the least patient person in this room. Uh, And it often gets me in trouble. I could give hundreds of examples. I had one this week. Me and my son were at football camp over at The Rock, and uh, we were leaving there, and out of the corner of my eye, I see, uh, you know, one of these uh, firework stands that's open, and the 4th of July isn't here yet, but let's just stop in and see what they have, maybe get a sampling before the holiday. And so I'm looking around. They're giving me the whole sales pitch for the various, you know, options that you can buy. And by the way, I'm from Virginia, where, like, you're barely allowed to use those little things where you pull the string and it sends some confetti out. Like, this is a, this is a new experience for me. And so um, I end up getting some Roman candles and, you know, their deal to, to get you to buy more is that if you, you know, buy fireworks, then you get to bring something home for free. And so they had these poppers. And so I said, oh, I, I remember those that, you know, like the little white ones when I was a kid that you would throw. And they said, sir, there ain't nothing kitty in this fireworks stand. Let me tell you that, uh, first of all. And so these were the adult poppers. I don't know if uh, any of you have ever used those before. And so we got some of these, and in my excitement and impatience to get 10 minutes further down the road, I start opening it while we're at a stoplight. Like, how, how can it be? Like, it, they, can't be, they can't be that loud. And so I roll down the window, throw one down. My son is with me. It sounds like a gun went off. Uh, my heart is pounding. And of course, a police officer pulls like right, turning right on 110, right as I'm sitting there. And so uh, I, I, am, I am deeply impatient. It sometimes gets me in trouble. I want to thank Clint for bailing me out this week so that I could be here, you know, with you all this morning. Um, but as someone who's, who's extremely impatient, you know, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us when I say we as people hate to wait. We hate to wait. And I think there's a couple of reasons of that. Uh, one is more on the surface, the other's a little bit deeper. One reason is there has never been a human society that has been more conditioned for right now than you and I. Like the fact that the paper that I'm using, you know, for my notes this morning was delivered to my house last night and we pressed, you know, buy now on Amazon the day before. Like that's, that's incredible. We can get the things that we want almost immediately delivered to our doorstep. And if it's an hour late, we already begin to feel the angst of it, right? Like we've been culturally conditioned for now. But on a deeper level, many of us hate to wait because the, the things that we are waiting on are not some trivial delivery from Amazon. There are people in this room that have deep longings, deep needs in your life. You're waiting on the Lord to answer them. And at times it's as though he's nowhere to be found. So Psalm 37 was not written because, you know, David had ordered like a fidget spinner on Amazon and it was, it was late. Psalm 37 is written in David's life when he's thinking back on the moments when he was in the wilderness for years, running from his life from people like Saul or his son Absalom. And he was in a desperate situation and he's watching evildoers evil prosper and, and, and he's waiting on the Lord to act, but there's times where he seems to be nowhere to be found. Maybe there are people in this room where hopefully you're not running from your life from from someone, but there are some relational dynamics with people um, that have you saying, how long, oh Lord? Uh, maybe it's a complexity with a boss or a coworker. Maybe there's someone that's that's doing evil that's that's affecting your family. 
Maybe for you, it's not a relational situation that you're waiting on. Maybe some of you have been in a long season of a dark place mentally, depression or anxiety. It's causing you to ask the question, how long, O Lord? Maybe there are others of you that you are in an impossible financial or work situation and you are waiting on the Lord to act and, and, and you don't see his providence coming anytime soon. Maybe for you, it's not necessarily like a dire need that you're waiting on, but just a, a genuine, good, godly desire that you've laid before the Lord and he hasn't yet answered you. Maybe it's a uh, desire to be married or for him to work in your marriage. Maybe it's a longing for children or for your, the relationship with your children to be restored. Maybe it's a desire to be doing some kind of ministry and the Lord hasn't opened the door for that yet. I mean, all of us are in various seasons where we're waiting on the Lord for specific needs and longings that we have in our life. And so what does Psalm 37 have to do with, have to offer for people who hate to wait, but are in a season of waiting. I think as we consider this passage together, what it's gonna to reveal to us is this. We as God's people are indeed called to wait on the Lord. But please look at me when I say this. We are called to wait on the Lord, but when we wait on him, he will never disappoint. We are called as God's people to wait on the Lord, but when we wait on him, he will never disappoint. And so as we consider this psalm together, I kind of have just maybe three areas for us to consider together this morning. The, the first one that I want to reflect on you is simply this call to wait. What, what is this call to wait? Let's explore that a little bit. Number two, I want to ask the question, what do we do while we are waiting? When we're in a season of waiting, what, what are we supposed to be up to in that time? And then finally, number three, I want to ask the question, how should we set our expectations when the Lord has us in a season of waiting? So the call to wait, what do we do while we're waiting? And then how do we set our expectations when we are in a specific season of waiting? Let's look at this call to wait. Uh, let, let me know if you see it right there in verse seven. It couldn't be more clear. Be still. I'm sorry, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Again, Psalm 37, all about waiting for the Lord in this context while evildoers are prospering. Uh, there's three uh, calls in this passage to wait on the Lord. Uh, but lest we think to ourselves that, you know, Maybe David had this unique circumstance in his life that he was waiting on. I don't know what that really has to do to me. What I, what I just want to briefly show you is that cover to cover in the Bible, there are countless examples of God's people being given incredible promises or having incredible needs and being required to wait on the Lord for a long period of time. So we could start with Noah. A lot of scholars think that from the time he started building the boat, it was 125 years before the storm came. That's some serious waiting. Abraham waited 25 years from the moment he was promised Isaac to when he was born. Jacob waited seven years for one wife, which wasn't the wife that he wanted. So he waited 14 years for the wife uh, that he desired. Joseph had a dream one night that he was gonna reign over his brothers. And then he woke up in the morning and lo and behold, there they were bowing down before him. 
No, he went into slavery. He then spent perhaps decades in jail waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. Moses was sent into the wilderness for 40 years before he was sent back to deliver uh, Israel from uh, bondage to Pharaoh. And then, by the way, another 40 years after that, he waited in the wilderness and didn't even get to enter into the promised land. Uh, David uh, spent some 15 years waiting to be king after he had been promised. We could go on and on through the Old Testament. And just in case we were to think that waiting on the Lord was a New Testament reality, all of us have been promised uh, from the moment Jesus has raised from the dead that he will come again one day uh, to, to, to make all things broken in the world right again. And here we are waiting 2,000 years for him to fulfill that promise. Brothers and sisters, waiting on the Lord is not some obscure experience for David in Psalm 37. It's something all of us are called to do in various seasons of our life. And so when we are being called to wait on the Lord, This psalm really presents two options for how we can respond in that season of waiting. When we have a promise that he hasn't fulfilled, a longing or a need that we're waiting on him for, there are two options that we can respond with. The first one, you can see it right there in verse one, is fretting. Verse one says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Down at the second half of verse eight, fret not yourself, it only tends to to evil. So when we have a longing that the Lord hasn't delivered on, one option for us to uh, pursue is, is to fret. It's this anxious, stressed out posture. In the Hebrew, the, the word for fret literally means to get hot. If, if you have this idea of, of kind of getting hot under the collar, that, that's, that's what's, what's happening there. Um, I, I have this picture in my mind, the opposite of waiting on the Lord, fretting is like this, this pot of water that's still and at rest and at peace. But you turn the heat on and it slowly begins to warm up and then the small bubbles begin to form and then those small bubbles turn into a full outright boil and then if nothing changes, it begins to overflow onto everything around it. That's this picture of fretting. There's this external pressure on David or on us that we're feeling and uh, because it's uncomfortable, because we're hot under the surface, we begin to, to bubble over in different ways. And so I wonder how, for you in this room, fretting manifests in your life. Um, maybe for you, fretting looks like grabbing and taking control. Sensing, I've got this need, God hasn't delivered on it, so I'm gonna jump in and manipulate and grab at it because he's nowhere to be found and so it's all on me to take care of this. Maybe that's what fretting looks like for you. M- maybe fretting for you doesn't look like grabbing and manipulating but actually trying to distract yourself in the midst of the season of waiting that you're in distracting yourself with some purchase that's a quick fix, maybe overeating, uh, maybe drinking too much, something that just gets your mind off of that heat that you feel and that medicates it. Maybe for others of you in this room, as it says down here in verse eight, refrain from anger and forsake wrath, fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. Oftentimes the fretting that we feel, the anxiety, that inner heat from from unmet longings that we have manifests itself by us displaying anger, oftentimes to the people who are closest to us that we love the most. 
Man, how many of us can look back at moments in our life when we were stressed out and anxious and we let it boil over into anger into someone in our family and we feel really good about what happened in that moment? I doubt any of us do. But that's a a typical response for us when we're in this season of waiting. We can either fret or the alternative is in verse seven. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. We talked about what fretting looks like. What is, what is being still before the Lord? It doesn't always mean act, inactivity. We're going to get to that in a minute. But I think what it does mean is that we were able to say something along the lines of the following. Being still and waiting before the Lord uh, has a heart posture that can say, God, you are a promise-keeping God. And you promise to meet my every need. And I'm gonna trust you with the timeline. Uh, You have promised to meet my every need. You've even promised to meet some of my desires. Yet I am going to trust you with the timetable and not feel like it all rests on me to take matters into my own hands. And that allows us to have this still, restful, peaceful posture, even when things are stressful. Another illustration, it was perfect this week. Clint asked me to preach on Tuesday and so on. Wednesday morning, I was getting up early and uh, my youngest four-year-old comes downstairs and she sees me working hard and she asks me what I'm doing. And uh, you know, I said to her, Ava, I'm, I'm getting ready to preach at Bethel on Sunday. And so she was surprised at that. She said, Dad, stay calm and be a normal person. I was like, that's... So that's pretty good. That actually fits pretty well with this. Like, like what should we do when we're in a season of waiting? We should stay calm and be a normal person. Um, man, fretting, again, says uh, there's this pressure. And so I have this need. God hasn't shown up yet. So I'm going to get really busy fixing it myself. Whereas waiting says, hey, I've got a need. I have a God who cares for me. And I'm going to be still and wait for him to act on my behalf. The, the same person, the different people under the same circumstances, external pressure, needs, longings that are unmet. One is fretting and losing their mind. The other is being still and waiting for the Lord. Hey, Bethel, hear me this morning on just this first point, this call to wait. There are no microwave, fast food, drive through options in our walk with God. There are times that we are called to patiently wait on him. We're called to. So then maybe the thought in your mind is, so does that mean we just, we have this need or long and it's unmet. So we just sit on our hands, do nothing and just wait for the Lord to act. We do wait for him to act, but uh, biblical waiting is not a passive thing. There's actually a lot of things that we can do. Uh, He said, first of all, don't fret, but there's a lot of things that we are supposed to do while we're waiting. So if you're in a season of waiting, what do we do while we're waiting, I've got three things for you. The first call on here, what we do while we're waiting. It's quite simple. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Are you in a season of waiting? Trust in the Lord and do good. That sounds like the most general a command you could ever get. Just do good. How does that apply? What does that have to do with anything? Well, here's what I find personally when I'm in a season of waiting. I have a need, I have a longing that the Lord hasn't met yet. And so I become all consumed with that thing and I get just tunnel vision on my life and my issues all the while 
there are boundless opportunities to bless and serve someone that may be going through a hard time themselves. And, and then what we think to ourselves so often is if you're in like a season of flux, a, th- a season where things aren't settled, well, I know there's lots of good that I could be doing perhaps uh, in my community, in my church. Once things settle down a little bit and I'm through this season of waiting, then I will do some good. But what I think this Psalm would actually say is, is that not only are we called to do good in seasons of waiting, but the thing that's actually going to get you through that season of waiting is busying yourself by being a blessing to people around you. So we can sit and focus on ourselves and our need, or we can uh, trust that the Lord is working with that circumstance and seek to be a blessing to the people around us. I remember seeing this so clearly in the church that I was pastoring back in Virginia. So you've not heard this, of this in East Texas. We had this, uh, this illness that went through, it's called COVID-19, and it really impacted uh, life up there. It really did. It wreaked havoc on so many churches. It was so unfortunate what, what happened through that. And there was this couple that came to our church they were a, mission, a military couple. They were going to be there for a brief season. The church was in a really difficult spot. And it would have been so easy for Rich and Heather to just say, okay, we're going to be here for a short season. We're kind of in a season of waiting. Let's just go somewhere where we can kind of sit down, receive, and kind of move on with our lives. They could have done that. Instead, what they did is found person after person to bless, encourage, be generous to. They jumped in and served even in the short season that they were there. So rather than leaving that season of waiting with just a, whew, I'm so glad we made it through that and and a bunch of fretting behind them, they left in their wake a trail of people who had been blessed, ministered to, and transformed because they decided to do good to others in their season of waiting. If you are in a season of waiting, can I just invite you to ponder, maybe even this week, Where could I just show up and do good? What does that look like? I don't know what that looks like for you, but but where could you show up and do good? Not just because you're supposed to, but because that might actually be the very thing that helps you get through a season of waiting. So what do we do while we're waiting? Number one, do good. Number two, feed on faithfulness. What the heck does that mean? Would you look with me at verse three? First of all, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. And then he says, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. So this is, as you can see, you've got a little footnote there. Hebrew scholars are struggling. How exactly should we translate that? There's a couple different ways that we could say it. Uh, You know, one is befriend faithfulness, but in the footnote, it literally says, dwell in the land, feed on faithfulness. Now, let me tell you why I love that translation of this passage. It's because there's an alternative version of that over in Psalm 127. Let me read that uh, briefly. Psalm 127, verse 2. Some of you have maybe read this before. It says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Show of hands, how many of you ever have ever eaten the bread of anxious toil? Yeah, and leave your hand up if it tasted really good and was helpful for you, right? So, so they, the psalmist seemed to be offering in a season kind of of anxiety and waiting, there are two, uh, two sources of sustenance that you can feed on. One is this bread of anxious toil, uh, where that is probably looking into the future and your season of waiting and picturing 
every disaster scenario, kind of the worst case that can happen, all the alternatives, all the options. You know, it said in 127 that he's staying up late and rising early. He can't sleep. So one option when you're in a season of waiting is to just eat that bread of anxious toil. Or what David is inviting us to in Psalm 37 is someone who had been through a lot of difficult times. Hey, instead of eating the bread of anxious toil, do you know what you can feed on that's gonna give you sustenance to get you through the season of waiting? The faithfulness of God. Instead of looking forward to all of the doomsday scenarios, look backwards and say, wow, God, you have been so faithful to me. This is what David does in Psalm 37, verse 25. He says the following, I have been young and now I am old and I have yet I have not yet seen the righteous forsaken. What's David doing in that moment? He's looking backwards at all of God's faithfulness. And that's, that's like spiritual food, fuel. He feeds on that to help bring him through this season of waiting and longing and anticipating. So can I just invite you this week, if you're in a place of, of waiting, there's some angst, there's some fretting, just get out a journal and write out the following all of the times that God has been faithful to me. And I guarantee you that will be, give you the food that you need to continue on. Let me give us one more thing um, of what we should be doing when we're in a season of waiting. It's, it's still there uh, right after verse three. Verse says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What do we do when we're in a season of waiting? We delight ourselves in the Lord. So how exactly does that apply? Well, human beings, you and I, we're like these big balls of desire. We just have so many things that we want and desire. And it's almost like if you, it's like an onion. You could pull back layers and you would find more and more desires and they would probably get more significant the further you went down. So some of you right now have the desire, right, for food. You're hungry. Like that's a desire that you have. Or, you know, you could pull back a little deeper. And, you know, maybe there's something that you want to have or some material possession. And you go deeper and there's this desire for human friendship. And you go deeper and there's this desire for health and prosperity. And you, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. When you get to the absolute core of a born-again human being, what will you find there at the core of that person? What you will find at the core of a redeemed, born-again human being is the desire to know and enjoy the God of the universe. That's what you will find at your core. You know what my problem is, and I'd venture to guess yours is as well? We will spend our entire lives tending to every other desire while we neglect that one altogether. We will fill our lives with those surface desires, all the while never stepping into that core longing to delight ourselves in the Lord. So this is what I find God doing in my life. He will often put me in seasons of waiting where I'm pressed into him in a way that I would not have been pressed into him if I were uh, to get what I want immediately. I'm pressed into him and it's as though he's carving out an opportunity for me to actually fulfill the deepest longing that my soul carries to know and to enjoy him. 
And so when, the, when this passage says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, what it's not so much saying is, hey, delight yourself in the Lord and then he'll become like a genie and whatever it is that you wanted in your season of waiting, then you'll get that. No, when it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, what it's saying is, begin enjoying the Lord spending time with him, cultivating your relationship with him. And slowly what you'll realize is, man, as much as I want and long for this thing to change or this circumstance to be fixed, even more than that, I want to know and enjoy the God of the universe. I remember experiencing this deeply about a year and a half ago. So we were just in a deep season of prayer and just discerning, God, what do you want us to do? And if you were to ask me, like, what do you want more than anything else? I just needed direction. Have you ever been in a season where the waiting that you're on is waiting on direction? I, I need to know what to do here. That, that's where I was at. And so uh, I, I went away. Uh, I just had to have clarity. I had some time of fasting and prayer in a cabin by myself for a couple of days, drawing near to the Lord and join him. But coming into that time with him, essentially saying, what, what I need more than anything in this time is for you to just show me what to do. Give me direction so that I make, make the right choice. By the end of that, I just want to read what I wrote as I was concluding my time of just seeking to delight in the Lord and, and um, have, him, have him speak into my life. He said, as I prayed, I did not feel a divine draw one way or the other. So that's what I wanted. Clarity, didn't get it. I actually felt freedom to, to choose. The crazy thing I felt as I made this decision is the Lord's affection and delight in me. It's as though I felt as though he doesn't want me to make this decision the main thing. Um, as much as I want his clear voice, I sense the main thing uh, my father wants to communicate to me is how much he loves me regardless of the choice that I make. As I fret about this or that or making the wrong choice, he just wants me to know that he loves me and will work out all these details regardless. Do you see the, the change of posture that happened? I really want this kind of surface thing, but after spending time delighting in the Lord, what I began to realize is, man, as much as I want that, I have a God that is infinitely glorious that I can enjoy in this season of waiting. And so can I just invite you to consider this? If you're waiting, longing, asking God to do something, would you take some time this week to even just set that thing aside to just enjoy the Lord? Like, do, you, do you know that that's been made available to you? You have full and complete freedom to draw near and enjoy the goodness of God and his delight over you as father, even as you're in a season of waiting. So waiting on the Lord, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a passive thing. There's, there's things that we do in that season. We're called to, to do good. We're called to feed on God's faithfulness. We're called to delight in him while we wait. And in a second, I wanna wrap up by just considering how we should set our expectations. But I'm just wondering very briefly, if we can just have a small conversation just together as Bethel White House about what these kind of three points might look like in our midst in this particular season as a campus. So, our family is walking in here kind of, you know, pretty new. You know, there's all kinds of history and things that God has been doing, you know, through time. And I, I just know at the moment, talking to Clint, there's been some really key people who God in his providence, he's moving people in different places. And, and that's great. That doesn't mean anything's wrong. That's, that's fine. That's, that's a normal part of church life. God draws people in and then he sends them out to other places. But I know in some ways, uh, you know, if you're deeply involved here, perhaps that has created a, a, a bit of a season of waiting in our midst here as Bethel White House. 
I'm sure if you were to ask Clint, are there any kind of unmet needs or desires at this campus? He would have several things that he could lay before you. And so just in a season of waiting, I, I guess we as this church family have a couple of options. We could all fret together and that just, that could be exciting. That could bring some fireworks and some excitement. We could just worry, well, who's going to do this and how, who's going to fill that position? And we could, we could eat the bread of anxious toil and see how that tastes together. I mean, or we could recognize, okay, some pieces have moved. There's some spots that need to be filled in, some, some places for people to step up. You know what I'm going to do in the meantime while we're waiting? Man, I'm going to do some good. I'm going to ask, hey, how can I help? Where can I serve? Uh, who, can, who is new that I can invite over and get to know? And instead of, uh, you know, looking forward to all of these unanswered questions, what would it look like for us to look backwards and to like ponder this crazy reality? Years ago, this was some kind of warehouse. I don't even know what happened in here. And yet look in God's faithfulness. Look, there's, there's children that are being raised in the faith here. There's people who are being ministered to. There's work that's been done in the past. Why would God not continue to do that into the future? Instead of fretting and eating the bread of anxious toil, what would it look like to just look back at God's faithfulness to us? And then finally, you know, I mean, this question of delighting in the Lord. And I'm just so thankful for the people who have stepped up to lead us in worship. But what if we had a posture where we came in here on Sunday mornings that was just like, I kind of don't care in this season who's leading. What I do care about is that I would gather together in this room and enjoy the Lord together for the time that we have. And so maybe there's just some applications, some considerations for us as a campus, as we're in our own season of waiting to see what the Lord will do. So uh, Bethel, we are indeed called to wait on the Lord. Just the final, final question that I wanna ponder with you this morning is, is this. Um, how should we set our expectations while we wait? How should we set our expectations while we wait on the Lord? I, I think it's an important question to ask. We're in the season of having a need, a desire. We're laying it before the Lord and now we're, we're waiting for him to act. Um, what should we expect at the end of it. I don't know the circumstances of what people are facing in here. I don't know what your needs are. I don't know what your longings are. And I sure wish that I could just tell you how it's all gonna pan out. I wish I could just give you a clear description of that. I, I can't do that. What I can tell you is this. If you're in a season of waiting on the Lord for a deep need, a deep longing, number one, he will act. And number two, his, his acting on your behalf will blow the doors off even your wildest expectations. If you are waiting on the Lord, he will act and he will blow the doors off even your wildest expectations. This is hinted to uh, in, verse, in verse, um, verse 11. Jesus quotes this on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but the meek shall inherit the land. The meek is another word for those who wait on the Lord. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. This is what David has recognized in his life and what you can see all throughout the Bible. When the Lord acts on behalf of his people for their needs, for their desires, it is always abundant. It is always extravagant. He always works marvelously. So think about Israel, for example, under slavery, 
uh, in, in Egypt. They had had an intense season of waiting. They had been there for 300 years and they were crying out to God to do something about it. Now, God could have just changed Pharaoh's heart. They go off into the promised land. It's all said and done. But that's not how he did it, was it? Even the most extreme expectations of the Israelites waiting in bondage could not have pondered what God would do to set them free. He's changing the material makeup of the, of the Nile River. We've got hordes of bugs coming in, and yet somehow Goshen and the Israelites are safe. We've got, uh, you thought the fireworks show at the marina was cool. We've got a pillar of cloud by day and a, and a cloud, you know, and fire by night. Uh, we've got the, the Red Sea opening for them to walk safely through while their enemies are, are caught up in the water. Like even their wildest expectations could not have anticipated how marvelously God would act on their behalf. God never acts on behalf of his people. And then we think to ourselves like, oh yeah, I guess he did take care of that. I, I mean, I might've done it a little bit differently, but, but at least he took care of it. No, he always acts marvel, marvelously for those who wait on him. And we know this ultimately through the resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus steps on the scene, he is stepping in the midst of a people who are waiting. For hundreds of years, even since Israel's captivity, there's nation after nation that is ruling over and oppressing the people of God in the land. And so there they are, and you know, around the, uh, the time Jesus steps on the scene, and they must be thinking to themselves, finally, we've waited on the Lord, and he sent his Messiah to deliver us. Look at the miracles, you know, look at how he's casting out demons. Surely he's going to set us free finally from this oppression from Rome. And we are going to live as, as free people. Finally, it's happening. And then can you fathom the disappointment at the cross? The disappointment from people who had left everything to follow this Messiah that had, that had put it all on the line. And here they are trusting in him to be the one that, that would deliver them. And not only does he not defeat Rome, he gets crucified by them. They've gotta be saying, are you kidding me? This is the Messiah that we've waited on? And then can you imagine the awe on Sunday morning at the empty tomb when the light bulbs begin to turn on and they're saying to themselves, are you kidding me? This is the Messiah that we've waited on. He didn't just liberate us from Roman occupation. He's defeated my sin. He's wiped my slate clean. He's redeemed me and made me new. And even if I suffer in this life, he's opened the door wide open for me to live eternally with him. Are you kidding me? This is the God that I've waited on. He never acts uh, lightly or simply. He always acts on behalf of his people gloriously. And so just in closing, can I, can I read this over you if you're in a season of waiting? If there's a longing, if there's a need that the Lord hasn't, hasn't met in your life, hear from 1 Corinthians 2.9. Do you have a need from the Lord right now? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared. 
for those who love him. Let's pray together. Father, there are Thanks people in this room for sure podcast today. in different we ways that are saying how long. And encouraged. How long if you have Lord. questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.